Let's pray as we uh, come to look at God's word together. Father God, thank you that you're a speaking God. Thank you that you speak words of life and truth. And we pray that your word to us today would be so precious and work in us and encourage us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, I wonder how you're feeling about evangelism at the moment. I wonder how you're feeling about you know, telling people about Jesus. Uh, you, you might be aware that we started our journey on uh, A Passion for Life, um, that, that journey to March 2022, uh, where we're hoping to tell as many people as possible about the Lord Jesus. We've even started our first training session uh, last Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, if you were there at Vineyard, uh, we did our first uh, training session about making meaningful connections with a view to talking to people about Jesus. Now, it might be that you're super excited and kind of just ready to go. <laughs> just, just sign me up. Which, if, if that's you this morning, then great. Praise God. But, but if that's not quite you, and I guess that's many of us, um, the idea of talking about Jesus to other people is just super scary. And, uh, and maybe, it, maybe you've done missions in the past and you, you kind of feel a bit wearied because you haven't seen that much fruit in the past. And you think, can I really go again? And uh, uh, actually it reminds me of a, a, a phrase that a friend of mine once said about evangelism, and, and I think it's true. I wonder if you agree. He said, evangelism is the hardest thing in the universe to do. <laughs> you, might, you might think that's overblown slightly, but actually there's something in that, isn't there? Almost give me anything to do. But sharing Jesus with friends and colleagues and family can be the hardest thing. So if you feel a bit like that, if any of that resonates with you, I think what we're going to see in this passage in Acts is some wonderful encouragement from this story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in this area of mission and evangelism. Uh, and that's why we thought it would be good to take a one-week break from the Philippian series just to look at, uh, at this story and, and what it uh, teaches us about evangelism. Because what we're going to see... Uh, is, is something truly wonderful, and it's this, that God is the primary evangelist. God is the primary evangelist. Throughout this passage, it is so clear that God, not Philip, nor the Ethiopian eunuch, is the one taking the initiative every single time. He's the one orchestrating things, working in the background to make things happen and to bring this... Uh, eunuch to faith in Jesus. God is the primary, primary evangelist. After all, isn't it God who sent his son into our world in person, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to seek and to save the lost? Why? Because God is the primary evangelist. And that helps us put our confidence in the right place, I think, as we approach a Passion for Life uh, mission in March. Our confidence should not be in ourselves or clever techniques or well-designed programs, although that's uh, all important. Now, our confidence should be 100% in the God who is the primary evangelist. And that's why the, talk of, uh, the title of this talk, I'll just pop it on the screen uh, for us, uh, Benjamin, if that's okay, is how God, rather the emphasis is how God brings people to faith in Jesus. Thanks very much, guys. 
Now, before we get to those points uh, on, the, on your sheet, I thought it'd be uh, good just to do a quick kind of character study on the two main characters in this story. Uh, so firstly, Philip. I've got a um, picture here. Uh, now, Philip wasn't an apostle, but he, he was a godly believer, a godly Christian uh, follower of Jesus. Uh, he was one of those who was kind of scattered out of Jerusalem from the great persecution. You might remember uh, Stephen, who was, uh, who was killed for his faith just a chapter before. And because of that fierce persecution, Philip and others were scattered out into Samaria, the surrounding region. And uh, they just got on with preaching Jesus to the Samaritans. And uh, in Acts chapter 8, where we are, Philip is actually having a really successful ministry, uh, ministering to some quite large, significant crowds of people who were eager to hear what he had to say. So if you just look down chapter 8, verse 5, it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. So Philip's doing great work, big numbers. But what we're going to see is that Philip is actually led away from that large number kind of big ministry down a sort of deserted road into a deserty sort of place uh, to minister to just one man. The, Philip, um, the Ethiopian eunuch. And that immediately just, just strikes us, doesn't it? Because, of course, God is a God who doesn't just care about big numbers. He cares about each and every individual. God grows his kingdom one by one. So that's Philip. But what about the Ethiopian eunuch? What do we see in this passage about him? Well, I'm actually told in the commentaries that uh, the area he's from is, is actually like modern-day Sudan. And uh, if you were at the Women's Day Away last weekend, uh, you'll have heard from Peter and Sally McClure about how they actually were missionaries uh, doing great gospel work in Sudan for many, many years. Um, so this man was from far, far away from, uh, you know, from Jerusalem and from Israel. He was from way down in Africa. I guess, I guess kind of picking up on a central theme of Acts that was introduced right at the beginning, chapter 1, about how Acts is really the story of how the gospel goes global, how it starts in Jerusalem but then goes out to Judea and then Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And here we have a guy coming from kind of the end of the earth and, and being converted. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now, if you just look down, the previous passage to Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, you can see it's about Simon the magician, believes. And um, whilst I don't want to go too overboard into the context, it was quite sort of striking to see, well, if, if Simon the magician is a kind of more of a sort of stage performer, performing artist kind of guy, you can kind of picture it, here we have a very different kind of character. Here we have actually a very high-flying government official, we're told in verse 27. In fact, he's uh, the Ethiopian royal treasurer. I guess the, the equivalent for us would be Rishi Sunak, the, uh, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, you know, a really top, uh, top civil servant, a sort of hard-nosed finance guy, you know the, you know the sort. Which reminds us, I think, just kind of straight off the bat, that the gospel uh, is for all kinds of people. From, from one end of the spectrum, the, the sort of performing arts kind of guy, all the way through to the hard-nosed finance guy. 
working in the royal courts, and of course everyone in between. The last thing to note about this, uh, this man is that he's a eunuch. So he was castrated, um, which was often required in the ancient world to work in royal courts. Now, that's not true of the people of Israel, but it was true in many other places, and that indeed is the case here. Now, the sig- significance from a spiritual point of view of the fact that he was a eunuch was that he was not allowed in Jewish law to be part of the assembly that worshipped God in the temple. So you could kind of say he was permanently an outsider uh, to, to the people of God. He couldn't get close. But as we're going to see, God was at work in this Ethiopian eunuch uh, to bring him to himself. So now that we've kind of painted a little bit of the picture of those two characters, um, what do we learn now about God as the primary evangelist in this story? How does God orchestrate events to bring these two characters together and eventually lead this Ethiopian man to faith? We're going to learn uh, some big principles uh, out of this story. The first one is on your sheets. is that God directs his people exactly where he wants them to be. God directs his people exactly where he wants them to be. Did you notice um, how it's actually God who was directing Philip exactly where to go uh, throughout the entire story? Verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise, go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Verse 29, we see that it's the Spirit who said to Philip, Go over and join the chariot. Verse 39, at the end of the story, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of God carried Philip away. We've got a picture, I think, here of, of, of uh, the, the road from Jerusalem to Gaza that, uh, that the Spirit uh, sent him on. And it is surprising, isn't it, that uh, God leads Philip away from that successful big ministry up in Samaria to go down this sort of desert road. And uh, verse 26, Luke helpfully adds for us, as the narrator, this is a desert place. <laughs> you know, Philip must have been thinking... What am I doing here? Uh, It's completely dead. What kind of gospel opportunities could I possibly have in this place? But wonderfully, God knew better. You see, he knew that he was going to meet this Ethiopian eunuch and he was going to save this Ethiopian eunuch through Philip. And you know what? That is true for every Christian believer. God places us, he directs us exactly where he wants us to be in order to reach the people around us. It means that every encounter that we have with another human being has been ordained by God for us to uh, reach them in some way, to be a witness. And we just apply that to ourselves just for a minute. It, do you realize it is no accident that you are in the family that you are in. It is no accident that you are in the workplace or university or school that you are in. It is no accident that you live in the street that you do. It is no accident uh, that you have the contacts that you have in your phone. See, God has providentially put you there exactly where he wants you to reach out with the gospel to those specific people around you. And what's striking is that each of us has very sort of unique contacts. 
There are people you know that only you can reach that I can't reach. That's the same as true for me. You know, I think so often um, as Christians we feel um, this is a desert place. Verse 22. Um, we just think there's, there's no opportunities in this class, in this office, uh, among, among uh, this, uh, uh, you know, the school gates kind of stuff. You just think, this is a desert place. There's nothing going on here. But this story reminds me and us that actually God has a plan. He's put you there for a reason. There are people that he wants you to reach. So why not start praying? Lord, I know you've put me here for a reason. Please open my eyes to see the opportunities and give me the boldness to take them when they come. And don't be surprised if God answers your prayers. So that's the first step in how God brings people to faith in Jesus. He directs his people exactly where he wants them to be in order to reach others with the gospel. But secondly, on your sheets and on the screen too, um, God plants in his people, sorry, in people, God plants in people a hunger for his word. Really, really we see this idea in the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, clearly, God was at work uh, in this man before he'd even met Philip. So verse 27, uh, we know he had come to Jerusalem to worship God. He was a God-fearer. We read on in verse 28. Um, and uh, as he was returning, seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So I think we've got a, a picture uh, on the screen. You see, God had planted in the Ethiopian eunuch a hunger uh, for God, a hunger for his word. And although he couldn't understand the Bible very well, when he read it, he knew he was reading something deeply wonderful and deeply true and significant. And God had put that in his heart. And, and I guess that what that means for us is that when it comes to uh, mission and evangelism and all that kind of thing, we mustn't lose confidence in the Bible, in the Word of God. So often we feel... Uh, that oh, we mustn't get the Bible out because that will put people off. We were having such a nice time and now we've kind of ruined the atmosphere by, by bringing the Bible out. Do you ever feel that? But in fact, it's the Bible, it's the Word of God, it's the only thing actually that's going to draw that person into Christ. Sure, many people will recoil from the Word of God, but for those whom God wants to save, that will be the one thing the one thing that brings them in. And I guess if God has planted a hunger for his word in a person, then who are we to withhold that, right? We want to give it to them. So firstly, God directs his people. Secondly, he plants in people a hunger for his word. And then thirdly, and lastly, God uses his people to speak about Jesus. That's the third point. So Philip goes over and hears uh, this Ethiopian. Uh, he's reading the prophet Isaiah, as we know. And isn't it wonderful how God sort of providentially timed it <laughs> amazingly um, so that of all the places in the Old Testament that uh, the eunuch could have been reading, he was reading Isaiah 53. 
Now, if you know anything of the Bible, you know that Isaiah 53 is one of the clearest kind of passages in the Old Testament. Of course, they didn't have the New Testament then, but it's one of the clearest uh, passages in the Old Testament that points to Jesus and his death on the cross for sin. So that if anyone trusts in him, they could be forgiven. It's one of the clearest passages uh, in, in the Bible that points to Jesus. What did he read? Verse 32 tells us, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. You know, Philip asks a really great question, verse 30. I don't know if you'd have put it quite like this, just tactfully, I don't know. Verse 30, Philip says, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. It just struck me that that one, this is the first thing, (laughs) but that one sort of carefully worded question paved the way for a one-to-one Bible study, as we would sort of put it. And I want to say, if perhaps you're, you're here today and you're just beginning to look into Christian things, uh, sort of investigating things for the first time, I want to say it's brilliant you're here, it's wonderful to have you with us. But I want to say, um, it, we know that actually reading the Bible on your own can be a, a challenging thing to do. It can be very hard to understand what is the big message of the Bible. It's massive, isn't it? And, and so, it's something, you know, on the surface at least, Quite, quite challenging to understand and that's why it's uh, so great to come to church because that's kind of what the heart of what we're seeking to do is open up the word of God and explain it uh, in ways that kind of people can understand so keep coming uh, here on a Sunday I would say that wouldn't I but also um, if you know a Christian why not ask them to read the Bible with you so you know could you could you explain the, the big message of the Bible with me i I'd really appreciate if you do that. And, and, and please tell me if anyone says no from here, because <laughs> they'll be in trouble. No. Um, you know, read the Bible with somebody. Ask questions. So anyway, back to the passage. After reading a portion of Isaiah 53, uh, the eunuch then asks Philip a question back. He says in verse 34, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? about himself or someone else. And then we get the climax, I think, of the story. Verse 35, and I put it as a, a key verse at the top of your sheet, so it would be a great one to remember, I think, for a passion for life, um, to memorize. He says, verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. There's so much packed into this one verse. Three quick things. Firstly, it teaches us that God delights to use his people to speak to to others about Jesus. God delights to use his people to speak to others about Jesus and bring them to faith. It really struck me preparing this that um, God would do a much better job at evangelism than me. He could do it. He could do it so much better. But it pleases God in his wisdom to use his people to do that. Weak and sinful and broken as we are, it brings God greater glory to use us to reach others 
It also brings us the greatest joy as we join in with that work. God delights to use his people to speak about Jesus. Secondly, it teaches us that the good news about Jesus needs to be communicated with words. Did you notice Philip opened his mouth? So yes, of course we want to live a good life in front of non-Christians. Our lives must back up the message that we're saying, but it is a message we've got to get across. See, good deeds alone can't save anyone. We need to pray uh, that God would help us to cross that pain barrier uh, to open our mouths to say words about the Lord Jesus. And I know often in real life, you, do, you just get a snippet of a chance, don't you? But opening our mouths to say something of Jesus, and God can use, God can use that to bring someone in. And lastly, from verse 35, it teaches us that the whole Bible points to Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. You see, for the eunuch, just reading that passage in the Old Testament wasn't enough. He didn't get it. He had to come to understand how it was fulfilled in Jesus and his death on the cross for sin. And I guess that's quite a good principle um, and if someone asks you quite a tricky question about Christianity, it can be a really uh, good idea to try to talk about Jesus as much as possible and his work on the cross. If you find yourself um, giving a talk at some kind of gospel event, uh, maybe at a Passion for Life or, or Vineyard Table event or something like that, make sure you talk about Jesus and his death on the cross because that's who the Bible is all about. And that is the message that will actually save somebody. It saved the eunuch, didn't it? When he understood that the whole Bible pointed to Jesus. So let's now look at the end of the story, verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Don't you love that? (laughs) I know it's not often as quick as that, is it? But, uh, you know, as a result of hearing the good news about Jesus, he's saved, wonderfully saved. And on seeing some water, he sort of carpe diems it, and he says, come on, let's do it. Let's uh, baptize me. The point about baptism, I think, is that it's it's really a picture of somebody who's who's, um, brought to the point of public commitment to Jesus. And I was really struck, actually, in this, that... Who is it that suggests the baptism? It's not Philip, is it? It's actually the eunuch. Uh, Philip wasn't pushing hard for a response. It was the eunuch who who took the lead. Philip wasn't sort of aggressively calling for a response in his face kind of thing. No, Philip was just content to say what he could about Jesus from the scriptures and pray and let God do the rest. And I just think that's really good advice. If you're a Christian, sharing the gospel with somebody, don't be too pushy. Just pray, teach the Bible faithfully, point to Jesus, and pray some more. It's um, a phrase that stuck with me, is let the word do the work. You might have heard that one. Let the words do the work.
So we read at the end of the story that uh, the eunuch, verse 39, went on his way rejoicing. Presumably he returned to Ethiopia uh, and started spreading the good news about Jesus there. And uh, it struck me actually that God is kind of doing this sort of ministry um, here today in, in London and actually in other major, lots of major cities here in the UK. He's bringing the nations to us, isn't he? Isn't it wonderful that, you know, even in this room, we're represented by, by many, many different nations. He's bringing the nations here, um, often to work and study, maybe for a few years, and they hear the gospel, maybe wonderfully converted, and then take the gospel with them back to um, the, their home countries. Um, so that the, the gospel spreads even more there. And uh, just thought, well, let's really grasp this opportunity to reach out to as many different nationalities and cultures as we can. Because who knows? Who knows what kind of, um, where the gospel might spread as a result of us ministering uh, the gospel here in Barnet. Imagine where it could end up in 10 years' time. I imagine Philip had never would have thought that his gospel that he had in, you know, he just kicked out of Jerusalem into Samaria would end up in Ethiopia and doing a work there. Well, let's grasp this opportunity and take it with both hands. Who knows where the gospel might end up working as a result of us being faithful here in little old Barnet. So what have we seen today? I'll put the summary on the, on the screen for us, guys. Thank you. We've looked at this wonderful account of Philip in the Ethiopian unit. We've seen how God brings people to faith in Jesus, that God is the primary evangelist. Firstly, we've seen that he directs his people exactly where he wants them to be. Let's believe that. Let's open our eyes. Pray for opportunities. There's no accident where you are. Secondly, God plants in people's hearts a hunger for his word. So don't lose confidence in the Bible, in evangelism. It's the one thing that will draw in those that God wants to save. And thirdly and lastly, God uses his people to speak about Jesus. So God could have done it himself. He doesn't need us, of course. But he delights to use us to speak to Jesus, uh, speak to others about Jesus, which brings him great glory and us the deepest joy. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you and praise you for this wonderful account of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Thank you that you are the primary evangelist, that you sent your son to seek and to save the lost. And we, Father, we pray that uh, having our confidence in you would mean that you would help us to open our mouths and beginning with the Bible, that we would tell others the good news about Jesus. Amen.